Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bob Mendelson, and this is the Bob's Your Uncle podcast. Today we speak about the cello and professional piano teaching with Charlie Mitchell of Wichita, Kansas, and Jewish DNA tests, too. What? Stay tuned. Thanks for joining me for this Bob's Your Uncle podcast, Season 1, Episode 15. Of note, the opinions are strictly my own and those of any of my guests. You can now find us and comment directly to us wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple iTunes, the list goes on. We have a lot of topics to discuss. Even so, on the Bob's Your Uncle podcast, you are part of the show. We do want to see and hear you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. In the weeks to come, we'll speak about country music and Iran and wars and rumors of wars. We'll talk about asbestos removal. Let's see where the spirit takes us. Whether you're at home online, on the road with me in your headset at the gym, or out for your evening constitutional, wherever you get podcasts, that's where we will be. Thanks for being with us for these 18 minutes. Historical Marker of the Week On this date in history, the 7th of June in 1968, the world's first Legoland resort opens. Yes, it opened in Billund, Denmark. It was the first of six theme parks based around the Lego interlocking plastic bricks. Billund is the home of the Lego group. And in 1929, Vatican City became an independent state. The Lateran Treaty, which was signed on February 11th of the same year, was ratified by Italy's fascist government on this day. It guarantees the political and territorial sovereignty of Vatican City, and that's the historical marker of the week. Charlie Mitchell is from St. Louis, Missouri, and has a ton of stories to tell about being a professional cellist to discovery of his real identity. Charlie, you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I did. What was it that caused your family to locate there? Because they're not native to the show-me state, are they? No, they aren't. Well, um, my mom grew up in Vienna, Austria. Became a, She was a child prodigy on the piano and became a concert pianist. She came to the United States uh, in about 1939 hmm. and uh, met her future husband, my dad, at Juilliard, where he was teaching. And like she says, she took a theory class with him and doesn't remember much from the class. <laughs> now, so, Juilliard is the school of music in New York yes, City. Yes, it is. Right. Prestigious. Number one school of music in the, well, at least in the United States. Yep, that's right. She's a concert pianist from Austria, and she's played only in Austria, or she's played elsewhere? No, she, she played around, and... Uh, she actually, when she was young, she won a special prize at the Chopin International Competition in Warsaw, Poland, as being the youngest competitor. In fact, she got in uh, through a little sneakiness of her teacher, 
who lied about her age. She was supposed to be, I think, 15, and she was only 14. And that's common back in the 30s. Right. And now, your mom, uh, you later on discovered something about your mother, not only that she was a brilliant concert pianist, taught university-level piano. You graduated, didn't you? Yes. In, in music or piano or something? Right. Cello was my instrument. And cello. That's a lot easier to haul around than a piano, <laughs> piano, generally speaking. Now, you went to a university in St. Louis, wasn't it? Washington University. Washington, named for George, but not the George Washington Correct. University. That's in D.C. So you went to Washington U. You graduated in cello. Right. But your mom discovered something or knew something, and she told you something. Charlie, your sister ran a Jewish DNA test. What did she find out? Well, I found out that she actually, there's another little white lie that she had told when we were young. She said she came over from Vienna to this country in 1937 when she was 15. But she finally told us that it was two years later in 39. And the significance of that is that I believe it was in about March of 38 is when Hitler came over and basically... The Anschluss. He yes, took over exactly. Austria. Exactly. And uh, the, the section of Austria. So she's Jewish. So she, that is what she told, right. So you were not until you're right. of age. Correct. You didn't find out you were Jewish. But let's back up a little because your whole life at Washington University is 40% Jewish. And, uh, yes. You lived in in some sections that are pretty significantly Jewish. Absolutely. Did you have any Gent did you have any Jewish friends? I had no Gentile friends. Yeah. All, my, all my friends were Jewish and uh, I was their pet Gentile. <laughs> <laughs> pet. And by that you mean yeah. you got to hang out with oh, absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah, we were good friends. So here you are decades after your youth and you find out, wait a minute, this all makes sense. I'm Jewish. You married a Jewish girl. I did. And so everything about your life is Jewish, but does that change anything? You're 60-something years old, and you say, whoa, my identity, this is radical. No, not really. Uh, not not significant way. You didn't go out and have a lox and bagel? You no. Didn't, you didn't go have a matzo ball soup? I've had that already. So. <laughs> That's right. So you've already been enculturated as a Jew. Absolutely. But you know, you also go to a church. You're a Christian man. Correct. So does that conflict at all? Not in the least. What, you want to describe that? How's that work? Well, Jesus was a Jew, and Jesus came primarily for the Jews, and uh, so and some of those pet Gentiles, and too. some of the pet Gentiles <laughs> like me. Uh, but uh, so no, not at all. I mean, he came as a savior for the entire world. So so you already believed anything. that. Oh, absolutely. And then you find out you're Jewish, your mother's Jewish. Now, did that cause any problems in the family? You've got a sibling or two. Did anybody get upset? No, not at all. So here you are. Now, you, you graduated in cello. Did you ever use that? Did you go anywhere globally? Did you... Stay in St. Louis your whole life? No. After St. Louis, I, I went on, got a master's at the Cleveland Institute of Music in cello. And, um, I, well, God miraculously opened a door for me 
when I wasn't prepared for a very competitive uh, uh, orchestral audition. I mean, it was became very, very competitive. I was not prepared for that. But he opened up a door. I prayed a simple prayer. I was not a believer yet. A believe, when believer? When you say... I'm sorry. Yes. What's a, what do you mean uh, you weren't a believer? You were a Christian boy. You were raised in the church, weren't you? I was raised in a church, but I did not have a personal relationship with the risen Savior, Jesus. So I, that's what a believer is? Yes. Okay. So it's not the eggs and the bunnies and the chocolate and all that? Not at all. Okay. Yep. So you get this opportunity to audition to go where? I didn't have to audition. I, I had prayed a prayer, and see, God had his hand on me before I ever knew it. And I knew I was going to church, but I was not a believer yet. I was still investigating. And, but I prayed a simple prayer out of one of the Psalms, commit your way to the Lord, Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And for some reason, I just prayed that little prayer. I said, God, you know I am not ready for an orchestral uh, audition. Um, and I was about to graduate. And I said, but I give it to you. And I totally gave it to him. I didn't even worry about it. Had you heard that phrase, give it over to God? I have no idea. That was back in 1976. That's <laughs> so, a fair bit of time ago. Yeah. And so you prayed a prayer. Yeah. You asked God to lead you. As a result, what happened? Two weeks later, I got a phone call from a fellow cellist at the school. She said that someone she knew at the New England Conservatory played in the Brazilian Symphony Orchestra. He was in the States for a period of time. He got a call from the conductor that said, I've lost five cellists and I need, I don't have time for auditions. Please find some and bring them down. So she says, I know you need a job. So I, she gave me the number of the conductor. I called him and I was hired. Did you have a passport already? No. no so I you had to get a passport. Get you didn't have an audition. You just got Nothing. hired got right hired. out of... You're in your master's program in right. Cleveland. Just about to graduate, yes. And you go to where? Rio or Rio. Sao Paulo? Rio. 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 Had you ever been to Brazil? No. Had you heard of Brazil? Well, I'd heard of okay. Brazil. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what do we know? You know, right. we're Missouri boys. But I was young and, you know, adventurous. Yeah. And you took the opportunity. How long were you in Brazil? For two seasons, which was about a year and a half. Did you know anybody? No. Did you know Portuguese? No, but I... How did you get along? With a dictionary and a grammar book and a great desire to learn the language. Beautiful. I was a great fan, younger years, of Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66. Loved the sound of the language being sung, so I said, I got to learn that language. So I got by with two questions. What is this and how do you say this? And with that and a grammar book and a dictionary, I learned the language. Then, now you worked for a phone company. Yes. As a cellist? <laughs> no. Well, so how'd you go from cello playing in Rio to working with Southwestern Bell, the AT&T subsidiary here in the Midwest? Charlie, one of those things you discovered was that it's a good idea to seek counsel. And so you were asking your pastor and your pastor's wife for help and they gave you some advice, right? Only their advice was to get out of the music profession 
and go into a more stable business opportunity. How'd that go down? I mean, for a, how many decades had you been a music person? Your mother was the music. Was your dad musical? My, my dad was the. He became the dean of the St. Louis Institute of Music, which was the conservatory there. It's no longer in existence. My aunt uh, was a concert pianist. My grandmother was a piano teacher. She taught 40 piano students till the day she died in her mid-80s. So, so everything, the whole, my whole life was music. Your whole Sitzumleben, your whole situation yeah, of life absolutely. is music. Right. There's nothing but music. Right. So the pastor and his wife both give you good counsel. And you think about it. You're waiting for all your ducks to be in a row and for all your fears to go before you step out and do what God told you to do. She says, if you step out in faith and do what he said, all your fears will go and all the rest will be taken care of. And so that put me over the top. My faith was right there. And I thought, okay, let me go at it. Again, for those who don't understand, they wouldn't understand, but the Spirit of God came on, came on me and broke that fear in an instant, and it never came back. The words of that pastor's wife right. were made firm, they made were. sure. They were. If you step out, she said, those fears will be assuaged. And they went, they never came back. I hung up and called Vic, my pastor, I said, I've been offered a job. I don't know if it's God. He goes, it's God. Take it. <laughs> so I did. Because they'd been praying for you for of three course. months already. Of course. Uh, he'd advised you. His wife had advised you. You took their advice. And now here's the opportunity that fulfills all that. Absolutely. So he encouraged you and said, go get it. And you said yes. I said yes. And, and I, you went. How long were you out in Dodge? Oh, about a year, a uh, year and a half, and then they, re they shut down the operation, relocated me to Wichita. Anything else you want to tell the folks? People will be listening from America and Australia and globally. Right. Well, yes. Anyone to think about their spiritual life. In a good community, I had a good education. We weren't wealthy. My parents were definitely not wealthy, but I had everything materially that I needed. But despite all that, there was a big empty hole in my life to Jesus Christ and the possibility that maybe he really did rise from the dead and that he was alive today and could be, I could have a relationship with him and with God through him. That got my interest and Eventually, he made himself real to me, and all I can say is uh, when you give yourself completely to him and let him have control of your life, he blesses it in ways you cannot even imagine. Thanks for being with me. Uh, I think the people around the globe are going to identify with a piece here or a piece there of your journey. And I appreciate your sharing it with me. Thanks, my friend. Thank you very much. Every week we read from the number one bestseller of nonfiction of all time, the Bible. Today from Yohanan chapter 4, Yeshua said this, The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews.
Amanda McInnes is both my travel agent and the sponsor of this podcast, and it will help if you book your next trip with her, including hotel and flights and all things tourist. Good morning, Amanda. Let me ask, I am so cold here. It's winter. What's a person supposed to do to enjoy winter in Australia? Well, I think the first thing would be to leave and go to a summer destination like Europe or North America, which is the the opposite for us because I'm also very cold like you. But I guess if you want to embrace winter and embrace Australian um, and the Southern Hemisphere's winter, you could look at doing a ski or a snow vacation both in Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand is known for being one of the best ski destinations out there. Very accessible to all of our Australian travellers out of many Australian gateways to fly into either Christchurch or Queenstown in the South Island and you can really get those kind of apres ski vibes that you like if you choose to visit Queenstown with multiple ski fields, great accommodation, there's onsen so you can go to the hot springs, lots to see and do over there. Tell me of G Adventures. G Adventures is hands down one of my favorite uh, travel and tour companies, I guess, since I started with Flight Center in Canada many years ago. I think sustainability travel in particular is at the core of what they do and has been since they started. They really focus on ensuring that uh, all the travelers and the communities benefit from where they go and that they're not leaving a destination worse than before they came. How do people reach you? Amanda365. Thanks so much, Amanda. And have a great day. You too, Bob. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening today, friends. Don't forget to post a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and share our podcast with your friends, with everyone, really. Thanks for helping us get known out there. Please follow the podcast and hit like as well. We can use all the good speak we can get. Don't forget to book all your travel needs with Amanda McGinnis at travelpartners.com.au. And next week, another great guest, Brad Mayhew, an entrepreneur from the asbestos removal industry who, like me, loves to travel and loves his family. Don't miss it. Until then, from me, Bob Mendelson, when things seem bleak or uncertain, look up to God. He's in his heaven, and Bob's your uncle. Shalom from Sydney. Sydney.